Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. And it truly is an honour. This is my beautiful wife, Emily, sitting down here with me at the front, the front row. I've got a photo. The team have got a photo on the screen of our family. Uh, it's not just the two of us. There's four others, four other terrorists that live in our house. Uh, they're on, they may be on the screen, uh, but if they're not, we've got four children. Israel, who's 10, Sophie, who's 8, Audrey, who's 7, and Evelyn. There she is. Evelyn's now 3. That photo is... We need a new family photo, babe. Uh, and, uh, and so there we are. That's what we spend most of our time doing, just dressed in leopard print on the beach, and, uh, which is amazing. And people say to me, man, you must have got four children. You must love kids. And I say, well, I'm not quite sure if I love kids yet, but I, I love my wife. And so... <laughs> Uh, so, and uh, we have the privilege, both of us actually now work um, with an organization called Alpha. Uh, if you've heard of, anyone ever heard of Alpha? Yeah, last year we celebrated 750,000 Australians exploring faith through Alpha in Australia. And so I know Highway Run Alpha, you guys are a part of that, part of that miracle. Our next goal is a million. And uh, it's just amazing to see what God is doing. There's like this resurgence in the church for evangelism, a heart to see people that don't know Jesus come into the kingdom of God. Who thinks that's a great thing, right? And uh, the Great Commission is not the great suggestion. And so we are privileged to be a part of uh, our team nationally doing some work with emerging leaders and youth and a whole lot of stuff uh, with Alpha. And so on behalf of all of our team, we just want to honor the amazing team here, obviously Pastor Byron and Anne, everyone that's watching online today. Welcome. So great to have you with us. And uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you or you version with you, you can turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. We're going to read two verses of Scripture today. Here we go. Verse 6. By the way, this is not my favorite verse in the Bible. Anyone got a favorite verse? Yeah, this is not mine. Okay, here we go. Ready? So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Verse 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested, our faith. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This scripture is speaking to an important truth that actually our faith matters to God and God allows our faith to undergo tests and trials in order not to destroy our faith, but actually to refine our faith. Anyone ever been to a place called Bali in Indonesia before? Maybe just put your hand. If you've been to Bali, don't be ashamed, all right? You've been to Bali on a holiday or something. Maybe you've worked there or lived there or maybe you're from Indonesia. Well, a few years ago, Emily and I, we went to a, um, for a holiday at Bali, kid-free, and, um, and just before we left, a shoe was brought out onto the market. I'm not going to talk about who designed this shoe because it's way too controversial now, but there's a shoe that came out called a Yeezy, and I'll ha- put a photo on the screen of what these shoes looked like, okay? This is what the, the shoe, the Yeezy, looked like, and when these shoes were first released, they were, they, you had to go into a lottery to try and buy one, buy two, you know, a pair. And, uh, and it was around four to 500 Australian dollars to buy a pair of these shoes, if you could get into the lottery, right? I was never going to spend that much money on a pair of shoes, so we went to Bali on holiday. While we were in Bali, 
we were enjoying the beaches and the food. But while we were in Bali, I found, you wouldn't believe it, I found hundreds of pairs of Yeezys in the markets. And in Bali, they weren't four or $500, they were four or $5. And I thought, this is amazing. So I bought a pair of these shoes, I brought them back, and I was wearing them around. And everyone, I was like the envy of all of my friends. People on the street were stopping and saying, how did you get Yeezys? I'm like, you know, too blessed to be stressed. And so where I'm walking around, and... Uh, and and then on the third day of wearing my Yeezys, I was walking into the office one day and the sole of one of my Yeezys fell off. Yeah, would you believe it? So I went quickly, I went home, super glued it up, went back to the office, we're good. Okay, they survived another day. The next day, the other sole of the other shoe fell off. And as I was gluing the sole in, I looked into the shoe and I saw the label on the inside and the label, I realized, didn't say Yeezy. It actually said Yeeby, right? Yeeby. Now, if you don't know what I'd bought, obviously I had bought a fake. I'd bought an inauthentic product. Maybe you've been traveling, maybe you've ordered something online and you've had a fake product arrive instead of the real thing. There's a couple of pics here on the screen of a few fake products uh, that you might have encountered or you might not have encountered. Um, the first one, I think, is, here we go, the hikey. Yeah. Next one, Abidas. Yeah, anyone ever bought an Abidas? Okay, next one. I like this one, pizza, huh? It's tricky. Okay, next one, a cat cot. Have a break, have a cat cot. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Next one. Oh, this is my favorite. This is the last one. This is my favorite. Because... This is like an athletic clothing brand. And so I think like when you think of athleticism, a a puma does come to mind. But rarely does a tuna. Like, I'm going to get out there and just win like a tuna. It just doesn't quite, anyway, it doesn't work, right? But if you notice now, um, culturally, we've got so many fake products on the market. You can get fake hair, fake nails. You know, there's all kinds of fake things. There's even websites now dedicated to warning people about fake products. There's like fake medication. Or fake car parts, right? I even found a blog that was warning people about how to identify fake climbing equipment. I mean, you don't want to get halfway up Mount Everest and find out you bought a Yeebie. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not good. Here's the deal. When it comes to our faith, God says that he wants to develop a real faith, an authentic faith in our life. In other words, God wants to take each of us from a place of being maybe at a surface level faith and actually develop some consistency and character and substance to who we are as followers of Jesus. Who knows that our world needs people who know Jesus and have real faith? I'm not talking about faith where you're, where you're comparing yourself against others, but a faith that is authentic. And what's amazing with the rise of fake products, the real thing, the real products are becoming increasingly rare and therefore increasingly valuable. Do you know that our, what our world really needs is people who know Jesus and have a real faith? In fact, when I think about the people who have inspired me the most, they're not the people that are perfect, right? They've got a most perfect Instagram account. It's the people who are real, right? It's their faith is genuine. They're authentic. There's something of substance to them. And so the question is, well, how does God develop real faith or authentic faith in our life. And this scripture we read earlier speaks to this important truth that God uses the tests and the trials in our life to develop a real faith. Listen to what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests 
and great triumphs can only come out of great trials. In other words, a faith that hasn't yet been tested can't be trusted. And so God develops our faith through the tests and the trials of life. I want to talk today about three ways that God develops our faith, the faith. And the first way is this, that God or my faith is developed in delays. My faith is developed in delays. Have you ever given God a Google Calendar invite and He didn't turn up? Been there, like, come on, God, by this date, I want to be married. By this date, I want to have, you know, the business is going to be flourishing. By this time, we're going to have children, you know. Whatever, given God, hey, God, be here on this date at this time. And God just didn't, somehow just didn't turn up. You know, we live in this culture right now that is so accustomed to having everything instantaneously. Even now on Netflix, you can skip the introduction. Like, we're in such a hurry that you, we can't even sit through an intro. Like, quick, skip intro. When it comes on the screen now, my kids are like, quick, skip it. It's like, it's okay. It's five seconds. A few years ago, actually, our Wi-Fi went down at home. My kids were watching a movie. It was a Friday night. Emily and I were making food in the kitchen. Kids were watching a movie. Everything was peaceful. Wi-Fi cuts out. First world problems, right? And I'm like, what's going on? It's like the internet has completely cut to our house. The kids are crying. Where's the movie? I'm like, it's okay. I think, I think TV, like the analog TV, I think it's still, or digital, wherever it is, I think it still exists. So I went through, I found the aerial cable. Anyone remember those things? And I plugged it into the wall. I'm like, oh, it's still here. Guys, congratulations, you're still on the air. And so we flicked over, found a movie, a Friday night movie. It was one of the greatest movies of all time, The Lion King. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Uh, the Lion King. And so my kids were like, loving it. We went back to the kitchen, kept preparing food. And then I hear screaming and crying from the living room. I run back in. What's going on, guys? And they're like, someone's changed the channel. And they're fighting over the remote. Someone, you sat on it. Someone changed the channel. And I looked at the TV and I was like, guys, no one changed the channel. This, this is just the ads. And our daughter, Sophie, she starts crying. I hate the adults. And I was like, no, no, it's not the adults. It's the ads. It's the advertisements. It's the, never mind. Anyway, right? We hate delays. We hate delays. I think about, when I think about delays, I think about the story of Joseph. And God gave Joseph an amazing dream. I'm reading through Genesis at the moment. And in Joseph's dream, God spoke to him and showed him that one day he would be in such a position of influence and power that even his own family would recognize the leadership upon his life. But Joseph had to undergo what? Years, 13 years, wrongly accused, thrown into slavery, abandoned by his brothers, in fact, betrayed by his brothers, you know, worked as a slave. All of these things, delay after delay after delay. Even when Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh, the guy says, I'm never going to forget you. Literally goes back to Pharaoh. The next thing he does, checklist, forget Joseph, done, tick. Okay, it's like two more years, Joseph sits in this prison cell waiting for a phone call that never or almost never comes. But here's the beauty of delays, is that when we face delays in life, when there's something that we're praying for, that we're waiting for, that we're, that we're asking God for, when, when it seems like things aren't going according to our schedule, here's the beauty of a delay. God never wastes a delay. In fact, often we look at delays as a punishment, but delays are anything but a punishment. Delays are most often God's season of preparation in our lives. When you look at Joseph, Joseph, what looked like delay was not delay. What looked like punishment was not punishment. It was preparation. 
And friends, in your life, if you're facing a delay right now, what might look like punishment to you is not punishment. Friends, it's preparation. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I love what John Ortberg says. He says, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. See, in the waiting seasons, that's when God begins to develop a depth to our faith. That our roots go deep down into Him. And I love what Paul said. You know, if you're in a waiting season, let this be an encouragement to you. Philippians 1.6, he says, I am convinced and I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion. See, friends, if God has started something, he is going to complete it. He is faithful to complete it. And as I've been praying for Highway and praying for this morning and praying for you, here's the the sense I get in my spirit, that there's those of you that have been waiting or that you're frustrated in the timing. But there's a gift when we learn to wait on the Lord. You know, the prophet Isaiah, he said, those that wait on the Lord. See, you can wait for something and you get frustrated and impatient. Ever been there before? Like, I'm, I feel like I'm there multiple times a day, okay? Waiting for my kids to get ready, waiting for my kids to find their shoes, whatever it is, okay? All of these things. We can, we can wait in the natural, but there's something when we wait. Waiting on the Lord is different. And the prophet Isaiah says, when you wait, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. See, what does that mean? It means the, that word wait is corvor. It means to bind yourself. It's not just, it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It actually is speaking to about hope and expectation. Those who bind themselves in a season of delay to Jesus. Friends, when we bind ourselves, when we draw near to Him, do you know what happens? He strengthens us. It's that we're not just a passive waiting, but when we actively, we put our faith and our hope in the waiting, in Jesus, He's going to strengthen us. I just want to encourage someone today. God is preparing you in your delay. In fact, I've found often a delay can be the grace of God to me. Because if God allowed me to walk into my future and I wasn't ready, do you know who it hurts? It hurts me. And I've discovered that God loves you too much to let you walk into your future underprepared. I wouldn't let my kids get into the vehicle and drive a car. Yesterday, my daughter said, can I drive the car? No, you can't. You're eight. Okay. Why would I not let her get? Is it because I don't love her? No, it's the opposite. It's because I do love her. And friends, sometimes we're asking God for things and God says, not, he says, I love you. And because I love, I love you, you're not ready yet. I'm going to prepare you so that when you step into your future, your destiny won't destroy you. And it's like when you walk through the city in Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne, you see the giant high-rises being built on the Gold Coast. You'll see that often what happens is they, they build the opposite direction first. They dig deep, right, into the ground. It's like, guys, I thought you were meant to be building up, but they got the, I don't know, the, the, the site guy is like, no, 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 we're going to go down first. Why are they going down? Because in order to go up, you have to first go down. And God knows it, right? In order for us, for him to build on our life, we have to first dig deep down. Second way that God develops our faith is in disappointment. It's in disappointment. And this is when life gets painful. Have you ever been disappointed before? 
You know, we can become disappointed with God, disappointed in life, disappointed with others. Maybe you're sitting next to the person you're disappointed with today. Awkward. Um, don't tell them now, okay? At least buy them a coffee first or something. You know, a few years ago, 2019, my wife and I were planting a, 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 a church or a campus uh, and uh, we, amazing time of our, of our life in terms of ministry and things are happening. And, and my wife called me one day. We had three kids at the time. She called me. She said, Ben, I've got some news. And she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, wow. Okay. All right. She was crying. I was crying. Different reasons. Okay. So, <laughs> pregnant. But she wasn't just pregnant. Actually, she went for the scan. She said, it's not. And she said, I've, I've got some. And I could tell she was excited. Something was going on. And she's like, it's actually, it's not, it's not a... It's not just one baby, there's two. Well, we're going to have twins, right? Then I was crying even more. Then she was crying even more. I mean, since the moment we were married, Emily said to me, we're going to have twins one day. Every pregnancy, she was disappointed that there was only one baby. She'd like almost make the doctor rescan. There should be two, right? So here was the moment, pregnant with twins, about to be, you know, family of five children, okay? And, uh, and, and, and long story short, we went through a journey of, of uh, a great challenge with our, our twin girls, Evelyn is our youngest, but her older sister, by a couple of minutes, her name is Arabella, and she passed away just a few, a few weeks before our girls, our twin girls, were born. I've got a photo uh, on the screen of, um, this is our daughter Evelyn. Uh, this is her when she was born. She was born uh, 10 weeks early, 10 weeks early, and she weighed about 1.1 or 1.2 kilograms. That's not to scale, by the way. She wasn't actually that big. Um, she was a lot smaller than that. And, um, and long story short, we don't have time to get into all the details today, but our girls, they had a condition called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. And we went through a mir- miraculous journey where actually God provided the most amazing doctors and surgeons and specialists from Europe and, and actually able to fix the problem, but for some reason unknown to the doctors and the specialists, only a few weeks before our girls were born, our daughter Arabella passed away. So there we are, you know, we're leaving the hospital after birth and it's a really strange feeling to leave the hospital. I'm sure that there's people in the room that can relate to be leaving the hospital having given birth to two beautiful girls but leaving the hospital with none. One's in the intensive care unit and one's on her way to the funeral home. And to be in that place of pain and disappointment there's all kinds of things that go through your mind. Often we face, you know, we face all of these different thoughts. And one of the thoughts is, is often, you know, how could this happen and why could this happen to us? But the reality is in life that all of us are going to face moments of disappointment, moments of pain, moments where we feel like someone has let us down. You know, I think sometimes the hardest disappointment actually is to overcome when we're disappointed in ourselves, when we let ourselves down. And see, what I discovered in that season of disappointment, in fact, there's much that we discovered. And the most amazing thing we discovered was the goodness of God. The most amazing thing we discovered was how close Jesus was to us. The most amazing things we discovered was actually about about God's character and God's nature and who He is. But one of the things that I saw and I observed in our life is when you face a season of disappointment, it's so easy or it's, it's so tempting to tap out of your purpose. It's like it's so easy in a time of disappointment is to, is to lower your expectation or lower your dreams or lower your vision 
and kind of settle for something less than what God has for you. But what I discovered is that pain isn't the thing that disqualifies you from being used by God. In fact, it's the opposite. Pain is often the very thing that qualifies you to be used by God. And one of the, one of the scriptures that became so real to us and such a revelation to us, especially for myself in this time, was Romans 8.28. You'd know this scripture. It says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. See, friends, in your life right now, if you're facing disappointment, there's going to be a temptation to tap out, to lower your dreams, to lower your expectation, to give in, to give up. But friends, if you will trust God, God's promise is this, that He can take whatever pain and whatever disappointment there is in your life. It may be huge. It may be a series of small things. It might be one giant thing. But whatever you're facing right now, friends, if you will trust God with that, God can redeem it for His good and for your good. God can take your pain and your disappointment and God can turn it around for His glory and for your good. That is His promise. I don't know if you remember the old... um, cameras like we used to have and you would um you would like take a photo and it would go into a film I think called a film does anyone remember uh, maybe I'm I'm like 68 so okay so so there's this f- film right and and it would go into the film and I remember as a kid taking the, the thing the terrible thing about those cameras was you never knew if the photo was good or not you had to wait until yeah and like mine were never good okay so I, I knew I'm like they're all going to be bad anyway so you take a photo and you take the film and you would have to take the film to a, 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 a special place. And what would they do? They would take that film and they would take it into a dark room. And in the dark room, they would develop that film into the full picture of what it was, is. And, and if you expose, I did this once as a kid. I remember opening up the film and trying to look at the photos, right? And people are like going, oh, someone here on the front row is like horrified that I ever did that. I'm so sorry. But the reason I did, uh, well, I was curious. But you know what happens if you do that? If you expose the film in the wrong environment too early, the film is destroyed, right? But if you take the film into the right environment, in the dark, into a dark place, in the right environment with the right person who's, who knows what they're doing, the film can be taken from what it is into something beautiful. The other word for a film is called a negative. See, when we take the negative things in our life, the painful things in our life, and we expose them in the wrong environment, it hurts us. But friends, when we take the film into the presence of God, when we take the negative things, the pain, the disappointment, when we bring them into the presence of Jesus, right? Sometimes, and this isn't for everyone to see, this is often the times in our life when we're facing challenges or heartache or battles, when we take that thing into a dark place, into a time with Jesus, and we allow Him to, He can develop it into something beautiful. Even the negative things in our life can be transformed when you bring them into the right environment, when you bring them into the presence of God. You know, actually, I just sense as I was praying today, I sense that there's some people here and you've written yourself off. Just, I just get this sense in God that you've written yourself off. Something's happened. Or you might have let yourself down. You feel like you've let other people down and you've written yourself off. And you've had all these thoughts, maybe I'm too old or I can't be used by God anymore. And I'm just, I'm just here to encourage you today. 
Well, I sense the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 God has, still has a plan, friends, and a purpose for your life. In fact, God is calling you not because of your, not, not in spite of your mistakes, but because of your mistakes. God can redeem the things in your life, the painful moments in your life. God can redeem them for His good, for His purpose. And I just get this sense that there's some people here today, and in your heart, you've, you've written yourself off. You've said, I've, I've waited, to, you know, it's too long, I'm too old, I've missed my opportunity. But friends, you haven't missed your opportunity. God has an amazing plan, come on, and purpose for your life. And it's time right now for you to begin to dream again, to lift your expectation, to lift your hope, to start saying, you know what, God, I'm going to begin to, if you can use me, God, I'm available, I'm open. The third way that God develops our faith is in difficulties. This is when we face challenges. One of the games my, my kids love to play on, on Nintendo Switch is Mario Kart. Anyone know Mario Kart? Okay. And, the, and, and it's the thing with Mario Kart, it's easiest to hit the people that are out in front. And I've found that in life, if you're going to do anything for God, if you're going to make a stand, if you're going to do something, if you're going to take a step of faith, there will always be challenges. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, again, he says, you know, that there's going to be weapons formed against us. Isaiah 54, 17. That there will be in life weapons, things that are formed against you in life. But God promises, look at this, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. See, friends, God's promise is that when you face battles and challenges in life, that nothing that is formed against you will prosper. Last year, my wife and I, we spent some time in Oxford in the UK. One of the places we went to was the place of where one of the most amazing revivals in Europe started with John and Charles Wesley. We walked the streets where people had been martyred for their faith, burnt alive for their faith in Jesus. We looked at one of the first places that John Wesley preached. As the guy was telling us his story, John Wesley preached here, but he was kicked off the street. I was reminded of an excerpt from John Wesley's diary, one of the great, great revivalists of his time. And I'm gonna read a small excerpt from this diary and then we're gonna land the plane, we're gonna pray. Uh, this, is, this is from the diary of John Wesley. He says, Sunday morning, May the 5th, preach at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May the 5th, same day, preach at St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, May the 12th, preach at St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday morning, May 19th, the following week, preached at another church, deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May the 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26, preached in a meadow, was chased out of a meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. I mean, who thinks we should bring that back? Okay. Sunday morning, June the 2nd, preached out of the edge of town, kick off the highway. Sunday p.m., June the 2nd, in the same day in the afternoon, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to him. See, as I was praying for this year, one of the words I sensed God give me was battles and blessings. That in, in this year, I sense for, our, for, for, for the church in Australia, for our people, that, that God is, going, is leading us to a place of amazing blessing. In fact, as I was praying for Highway, I sensed Caleb and Kim that there's going to be an amazing property miracle in some form. I don't know if that's already happening or if you're even looking at property, but I just get this sense as I was praying that there's going to be some kind of property miracle. Maybe it's your property miracle receive it okay but there's going to be some sort of property miracle but there's going to be a series of battles and blessings 
and, and, and this is the sense that I get, that in the midst of battles, the battles in our life, that God is going to bring blessing. In, in other words, we should stop waiting for perfect conditions. We should stop waiting for after the battle to expect God's blessing in our life. But God actually can bless you in the midst of the battle. I love what David said, Psalm 23. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Where? In the presence of my enemies. We think, oh, you anoint my head with oil at the conference, right? You anoint my head with oil in my perfect quiet time in the morning, right? And that's great. Those things are beautiful. But David says, God anoints his head with oil in the presence of his enemies. See, friends, I think part of it for us this year in in understanding that God is developing our faith is that God is actually using the battle to our advantage, What the enemy was trying to use for harm, God's going to turn it around for good. He's using it to our advantage. God is anointing you in the presence of your enemies. You're facing a battle right now? Good. Because it's in that place where God's going to anoint you. It's where God's going to empower you. It's where God's going to strengthen you. I love what it says. It says that when the disciples were pulled before the courts, they were preaching the name of Jesus. And it says that they were just ordinary men. But they were astounded at the courage and the boldness of Peter and John. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, the key to courage in a season of challenge or a season of difficulty is not to try and face it on your own, but it's learning to live in a place of dependency on Jesus. It's learning to live in a place of dependency on Jesus. You are assured of victory because you have a victorious Savior. Friends, you today you are assured, whether, whatever it's a health challenge, a financial challenge, you are assured of victory because you have a victorious Savior. God is anointing you in the presence of your enemies. And right now, I just want to take a moment so I just get this sense there's some people here today and you're facing a battle. You're facing a challenge. Let me just encourage you right now. Begin to look for blessing in the midst of your battle. In fact, this word kept coming back to me this morning as I was praying. Unusual miracles. I just want you to expect, begin to expect. I sense God's inviting us. Begin to expect unusual miracles miracles in the midst of a battle. It might be a health battle, a financial battle. It might be something to do with your business or your work. I want you to begin to expect. In fact, it's not me. I sense God's inviting us to begin to expect unusual miracles. Come on, in the midst of the battle. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. We've been singing and worshiping Jesus all morning singing to and worshiping Jesus all morning. We've been singing about this amazing Savior. See, Jesus Himself is the perfect model of authentic faith because Jesus faced the most horrific delays, disappointments, and difficulties. Yet the Bible says He was without sin. He didn't sin. And He went to the cross He endured the most horrific death so that you and I could come into a friendship, a relationship with with God. And it's the most amazing gift 
It's overwhelming. I was overwhelmed when we were singing How Great Thou Art today. Man, I was overwhelmed thinking about how amazing our Savior is. And friends, maybe you don't know God today. Maybe you know things about Him. Maybe you've heard about Him, but you don't know Jesus personally. I would love to lead you in a prayer today of saying yes to Jesus, of trusting Him, of entrusting your life to Him. The Bible's clear. There's nothing we could do to earn God's love. Nothing we could do to earn His love. All we can do is receive it. In other words, Jesus did all the work at the cross and we get the credit. Some days I come home, my wife's baked cookies. Our youngest daughter, Evelyn, will come up to me. She'll run to me and she'll say, Daddy, I baked cookies today. Let me tell you something. She did nothing. Her mom mom baked the cookies, but she gets the credit. I'm like, you are so smart. You are so clever. You are so good. That's exactly what it's like with Jesus. He did the work. He went to the cross. So we get the credit. God treated Jesus like we should have been treated so that He can treat us like Jesus should have been treated. We've been made, we can be made right with God. So friends today, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and you want to know Him today, maybe you feel like you've wandered from your faith in Him and today you want to come back to Jesus. I'd love to lead you in a simple but incredibly powerful prayer of saying yes to Jesus. So maybe just for a moment with every head bowed, every eye closed. If in your heart right now, you know, man, I'm not walking with God, but I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to accept His love, His forgiveness. I want to begin this new life with Him. If that's you today, I'd love to pray for you wherever you are right now. Would you just quickly raise your hand if that's you? And we're going to pray together. If in your heart, you just know, man, I need to say yes to Him. Receive His love, His forgiveness. Would you just quickly, that's awesome, man. I see that hand there. God bless you. Who else today? Just in your heart, you just know, I've got to to get right with God. I want to say yes to Jesus. Would you just quickly raise your hand right now? Just so I can see it. No one else. And then we're going to pray. See that hand there. God bless you. I see that hand there. God bless you. Who else today? Just in your heart. You just, man, I just know I need to get right with God. Say yes to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right now? Last moment, last chance. And then we're going to pray together. That's awesome. All right, Highway, let's pray. Let's pray together. Especially those that raise their hand, let's pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. And because of that love, you went to the cross so I could experience your life and your forgiveness. I repent of my sin and I turn toward you. I receive your love in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Highway. Thanks for having me today. Go to Pastor Caleb. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.